0: My cousin Brett came and did an awesome job um, teaching through that last passage uh, of Luke 21. If you want to go listen to that again, he did a great job, but he focused on how it's not about the prophecy. It's not about how it's going to be fulfilled or when or or by who. It's more about how we live in the here and now in light of eternity, in light of what's coming. Um, How do we live in the already but not yet um, where Jesus has already come, but he's also not yet returned, right? That's where we are in history. Um, and so we're going to learn a little bit more about that today, of how do we live right here in the here and now. Um, we're heading into a new series in Proverbs uh, called Wisdom for Relationships. And so we're going to be getting into that a little bit more in the coming weeks. Um, <clears throat> but I just wanted to share this quote with you. Billy Graham once said this. He said, I used, I used to uh, read five psalms a day, each day, <clears throat> that teaches me how to get along with God. Then I read a chapter of Proverbs every day, that teaches me how to get along with my fellow man. Proverbs is full of wisdom to help, us, help guide us with our daily lives and relationships with others. So I'm gonna pray for us and, and then we'll, we'll get into it here. But God, thank you so much for um, this book. Um, I pray that you would be speaking through me today, that your spirit would be living and active in this room, um, as you always are, but that we would be more aware of it and that we would have soft hearts and open ears to hear your, your word this morning. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to get into Proverbs here, in just Proverbs 1. So if you wanted to flip to Proverbs right now, that would be a good time to do it. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of background on that first. So uh, obviously Proverbs is written by Solomon. If you don't know who Solomon is, he's the son of King David right? And David, while he was known as a man after God's own heart, he also did a lot of things to screw up, right? And one of those things was that he uh, not only slept with his best friend's wife, he also had a child with her. Um, And one of the children that he had with her happened to be King Solomon. So it's this picture of grace that we don't deserve the wisdom that we're given, right? But through Solomon, we get the book of Proverbs, and we can dig into some of the things that God wants us to know. So to get into that story of how Solomon got all of these Proverbs um, given to him, spoken from God, we go to 2 Chronicles 1, 7 through 7-12, and it's on the screen here, so don't worry about that. Um, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what should I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and faithful love to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David now come true, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people, for who can judge this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, since this was in your heart, and you have not requested riches, wealth, or glory, or for the life of those that hate you, and you have not even requested long life, but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are given to you. I will also give you riches, wealth, and glory, unlike what, has, what was given to the kings who were before you, or will be given to those after you. So because he asked for wisdom, God gave him the wisdom, and then he also gave him a blessing on top of that of all the riches and wealth and glory, and the things that he could have asked for, but he didn't. Because God valued his pursuit of wisdom, right? 1 Kings 4.32 says that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs. I don't know if you've wrote a 3,000-word essay, but that takes a pretty long time. Now, think of 3,000 proverbs. Try to get through that in in one lifetime. And then his his songs numbered 1,005 and I need to know what those five songs are so I can hear that EP, because it probably sounds amazing. Because he felt the need to go five more, so they were, something must have been great about that. So God enabled his, this wisdom to be recorded for our benefit, right? It wasn't, Sol- it wasn't by Solomon's own strength or wisdom that we got the book of Proverbs, and somehow Solomon still managed to, just like us, be a sinner who made massive mistakes, right? So Solomon, on top of having 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs that were written, he also had 700 wives and 300 concubines, which sounds insane. Yeah, you could laugh at that. That's fine. And he worshiped their gods, right? So the the more wives that he collected, the more gods he collected, it seemed like. So somehow he let his flesh get in the way and he got way off track. But lucky for us, What God allowed into scripture is breathed out by God himself, right? So we can trust it wholeheartedly. It's also important to note that these teachings are helpful hints, but they are from the mouth of God, right? They're helpful hints. In other words, if you follow this wisdom, generally things will turn out better for you. Uh, I just lost my place here. Going against these strong suggestions, though, they don't, they, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be sinning, right? But you'd be extremely foolish to either ignore them or to do the opposite. For example, if I tell my girls, you're not going to want to jump off that dresser again because you're probably going to hurt your leg or you're going to get hurt in general, and then they go do that, they're going to get what we call in our household a natural consequence, right? Or they jump off the dresser, they're going to get hurt. Uh, so that's kind of what we're looking at here in Proverbs as well they're going to regret not listening to that wisdom. And this book is full of, it's basically a big long list of if-then statements, or cause-and-effect statements. And the wisdom that Solomon is, is writing comes directly from the mouth of God. The God of the universe. So, we should probably listen, right? <clears throat> Robert sits right in the middle of what we call the wisdom books. So, we got Job, Psalms, Proverbs right in the middle, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And the main theme of all these books, and what we're going to get into today, is that, it's on the screen here, you can write it down if you want, God is unimaginably powerful and personal. And we need his wisdom like we need our next breath. Amen. So today we're going to talk about those two things. In our Proverbs series moving forward, we'll be talking about how we can be applying This wisdom to our relationships, but today I just want to paint a picture of how desperately we need God's wisdom, and how amazing it is that he even offers it to us in the first place. So we know that the wisdom in Solomon's writing comes directly from the mouth of God, but how do we know that what God says is even worth listening to? Why should we go to him for wisdom instead of finding other sources, like the rest of the world is doing right now, Right? So I want to talk to you about this, this guy here and his family real quick. So this is Chris Hilkin, um, and he was a pastor. still is a pastor, but he was a pastor over in uh, California and uh, was in charge of like the older youth and uh, younger uh, college age of his megachurch that he was a part of. And this is him and his wife and their five kids. She's holding the infant in her arms right there. Um, <clears throat> and tragically, recently, she actually took her life Um, She had never had any mental health issues before, and within 10 months, no, less than that, so she had a 10-day stint where she didn't sleep at all, um, and never recovered from that. The mental trauma that it it caused her, um, she ended up taking her life in the mental institution that they had to put her in, just to try to get her some sleep, Um, and so this tragic thing happens to Chris, and the interesting thing, though, is that you could see him, it it would be... Totally understandable for him to drop off in his faith, just like so many other people that we've seen recently. But I'm listening to my, my podcast that I listen to on occasion called the Dad Tired Podcast. And sure enough, he's there teaching. I thought, oh, this must be recorded. No, this is after the fact that he was teaching on apologetics. <laughs> so if you want to listen to that series, that is, it's an amazing series where he goes into, it's called The Parent's Guide to Apologetics, and does a five-part series on why we should still trust God. <laughs> why we should still look at God as the only answer to the things that hurt and the only answer to the things that we can't make sense of, right? So if, if you want to listen to that, he's way more able to explain a lot of this stuff that I'm going to go into, um, so I highly suggest you listen to that. But <clears throat> just to give you the Cliff Notes version of that, um, I don't know if you know this, Earth's tilt is, if it's just one degree lower or one degree higher, we either burn to death or we freeze to death. And that's just one knob on millions of knobs, like on, a, on an amp where you have to turn up and make sure you get the perfect sound. There's millions of these knobs. That's just one of them that has to be exactly perfect for us to have life on earth. Right? And that's just part of understanding the complexity of what God did in order to create everything, and the wisdom that it took to create everything. No one has concrete answers for how everything came into, into existence, how it all started. But they all agree that the intricate detail of how it all works together is way, way too complex to have happened by chance. It's as if I took this Apple Watch that I was just given to me and I wasn't planning on using this, but it's even more intricate than some of the other watches that you see that have the chronograph and all the, you know, the, the quartz and all these things. There's like programming in here that has taken decades to get to the point where we can put this computer on our wrists, right? So imagine I took this apart into all of its pieces and I just kind of jumbled them up into a jar and I start throwing them at the wall. And I throw it off the wall a hundred times It doesn't matter how many times I'm going to throw that at the wall. It's not going to fall into place and still have a picture of my wife and daughters every time I turn my wrist, right? (laughs) It's not going to work. It's not going to happen by accident. And that's the level of complexity that God put into creation. And we as Christians can just trust that. It's not as easy for some people, but you have to at least trust that there is a higher power that has created the things that we experience. And then we go from there. We'll never know everything there is to know about anything. (laughs) I've said that in the past, and I'll say it again. We are never going to know everything there is to know about everything. But God challenges us and asks us and puts on the heart of us as the created to figure out how the creator did it, right? And in doing that, we have figured out quite a bit. And I'm going to show us a a video here in in a little bit about that. But... We, I'm going to show us the, the smallest thing that we have been able to measure and the biggest thing that we've been able to measure. And just trying to show you what we have figured out and the fact that it doesn't even come close to understanding everything that God has created. So let's go ahead and, and play that here. So when I was in school, the atom was the smallest thing and there was rumors of you know, quarks and things that were inside the atom. Well, this plank measurement is the smallest measurement of anything that we have right now. And I'm just going to expand out and show you guys some of what we now know and how that um, ties into the entirety of creation, right? So that plank is all the way out of the picture already, right? And now we're looking at the smallest atom. The helium atom is the smallest atom that we can observe. Now, as we zoom out here a little bit more... Again, that helium atom is way out of the way. There's one strand of DNA, the one building block that is used to create how everything works and the intricate detail of that. You've got a red blood cell. You're going to zoom out even more. There's one human hair and a grain of salt right next to each other to show you the span or the the scale of where we're at. You come out a little bit more. Um, Obviously, that grain of salt is long gone, and we've got a human right here at 1.7 meters. Okay, so as we zoom out, we kind of start to realize just how small we are, right? I don't know why you did so many dinosaurs. But so there's a, the biggest tree right there. It's Hyperion. It's a redwood. Um, there's the tallest building, right? And then there's Mount Everest. So this is the biggest mountain that we have on Earth. The Mariana Trench is even a little bit deeper than that. Now, I felt a little better about myself once I saw that, once we zoom past here a little bit. The marathon is actually quite a bit further than that, and I've run one of those, so I feel pretty good about myself, you know? I'm like, hey, I've run that far, and so I was, I was pretty proud, and oh, that's like as far as Rhode Island, you know, so I've basically run across Rhode Island, and then as we zoom out more, you know, you start to realize that that's really not that big of a deal either, right? It took me all day to run that, um, but here we are at the earth, and obviously that wasn't very big of a deal, right? <laughs> so we get out to the earth, and then that zooms off into the distance. And obviously that Planck measurement is long gone at this point, we can't even fathom how small that is, right? So we've zoomed all the way back out, there's our sun. That's the sun that we look up at and see. So when you look up at the sun today, realize how small we are in comparison to that. Now these are some of the bigger stars that we have in the universe we started getting into some quasars and some, some voids and things that we can barely see. We just put a new telescope out there that we can see a little bit more in detail and, and prettier pictures. There's our Milky Way galaxy. Isn't that ridiculous how big the Milky Way galaxy is? And that's just one galaxy in this bigger void of galaxies, right? And then we come all the way out to what we see as the observable universe, This is everything we know and that we will ever know. Because as the world expands, we can't keep up with it. In the beginning, God spoke and it was, and it expanded, and it's expanding faster and faster and faster. All scientists agree on that, that it expands faster and faster. There's no possible way that we can even fathom how big the universe is. All we can do is that observable universe, that dot right there. And as we zoom, I know this is going to give some people some, you know, but we come down to our size. Remember how small we are in comparison? We come all the way down to here. And somehow humans think we know better. Somehow we think we know better than the God that created all of that. It's ridiculous, right? There's no way. There's no way that we know better than the God that created all of that with one breath. That's how powerful the God is that we serve. All the experts in the scientific field are forced to admit, based on the evidence that they observe, that there has to be a wise designer of it all behind the scenes, an engineer that has intimate knowledge of the inner workings of what they've put together. And the more that we dig into the science of it all, the more that we understand just how in over our heads we really are. So we have to accept that there is a God. And he is worth listening to. And the fact that a God that big cares about us enough to give us an ounce of his knowledge or wisdom is pretty ridiculous to me. Chris Hilkin has been through one of the worst trials that I've heard of in a long time. And by his own confession, he's also listened to over... 60 different debates about God's existence, each of those being about two hours apiece. And still, he is not only choosing to follow God's lead and trust his wisdom, he's teaching people to do the same. Because he understands one thing very well. We are hopeless without the wisdom of God. And we need it like we need our next breath. God graciously gave us an entire book of advice and wisdom. So what did he want us to know? So finally, we're going to get to dig into Proverbs 1 here. So go ahead and open up to Proverbs 1. First point is the purpose of Proverbs, the first seven verses here. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding the insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity... For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase in learning. And let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. So there's a couple things in there. Talking about the wisdom and the fear of the Lord. Getting the most out of Proverbs requires us to understand both of those concepts wisdom itself and the fear of the Lord. So, talk about wisdom for a second. Wisdom, or in the Hebrew here, choma, means um, applied knowledge. So, not just knowing something, but knowing about it and knowing the inner workings of it, right? So, knowledge is knowing, some people have said this before, knowing that a tomato is a fruit, right? We know that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad, right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, nobody would put a tomato in a fruit salad unless you had lived that out and tried it and realized that it doesn't taste very good. Um, another example is that studying in med school, you, you study these med school books, you look at all the diagrams, and you, you see these things in detail, and you, you think, oh, I can do this. And then you see an intern go into surgery for the first time, and you realize that you're in over your head, Right? It takes experience, it takes doing it with your hands to gain the wisdom that it takes. They had all the knowledge, they didn't have the wisdom until they did the surgery itself. One more example here, and then we'll go on to the fear of the Lord, but um, there's a new movie on Netflix called Seabees, anybody seen this? No, just me and my girls? Yeah, there, Bella, yeah, we know about it. So Sea Beast is essentially about this kingdom that has a bunch of these sea monsters that are coming up on to the shore and they've been eating people. And so these people have pushed the Sea Beast back by hiring these these hunters that have these giant boats. And um, they figured out it's an art at this point that they have been able to fight them off. And so they did so well that there were no monsters even in the close area. And so the government that was there that was hiring these hunters, they decided that they're going to build a bigger boat, and they're going to push the monsters out as far as possible, and we won't need the hunters anymore, because we'll just keep them at bay. So they build this massive boat, right? Thousands of guns along the side. Think the Titanic with guns, okay? (laughs) But all of those guns are fixed, and they can't do anything to aim them, and they don't have these harpoon guns that they need. And so they just they built the biggest boat possible because they figured big monsters, big boats, right? Um, and so they told the hunters, we don't need you anymore. And the head hunter goes to them and he says, if you take that boat out there, you're all going to die because that monster's going to come and plow straight through it and it's going to sink. <laughs> and you can't aim the guns. He, tried to, he gave them all these reasons why it's not going to work, right? So until they went out there and realized that it wasn't going to work, They had to learn that in the field, right? So that's what wisdom is. It's applied knowledge. So the other thing that we need in order to really get the best out of of Proverbs here is the fear of the Lord. Now, does that mean that we should be scared of God? Yeah, because he's massive, right? (laughs) It would be okay to be scared of him because he's massive, but that's not really what the word here means. It means more of a reverence and an awe of God. It's understanding that God is both the vicious lion, and the sacrificial lamb, right? It's understanding that he is both faithful to us in giving grace and, and judgment, but he's, he's also just, right? And it, he's not going to let sin go unpunished. He's fierce, and he's also compassionate, right? So he's a God that is worth standing in awe of on a regular basis. And we need to take time to, And moments to remind ourselves of just the sheer massive scope of the strength of our creator, God. And it's about an understanding that this life is not about you. It's about him. And he knows what's best. So our second point here is that what happens when man doesn't follow his lead. So let's go into verse 8 here. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And don't reject your mother's teaching. For they will be a garland of favor on your head and a, and penance around your neck, my son. If sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. If they say, "Come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone, let's attack some innocent person just for fun, let's swallow them alive like Sheol or Hell, who uh, whole <coughs> like those who go down to the pit, we'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us, and we'll all share the loot, my son. Don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. It is useless to spread a net where any bird can see, but they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. So what happens happens when they despise wisdom and discipline right what happens when that happens they forge their own path and they do what feels good because that's what the culture tells them to do right but then they condemn themselves without jesus guiding them they take a very comfortable ride following their heart to hell without jesus so man will reap what he sows in that sense But their actions and choices also have a bitter effect on the world that we live in until Christ comes back to make it all right. When we don't follow his lead, that includes us, not just these hypothetical sinners, it's us too. When we don't follow his lead, our flesh shows up and it does horrible things. Our sin is the reason that the world is as bad as it is. It's the reason that we have mass killings. And all the other horrible things that happen that remind us that this isn't our home. We think of the Holocaust and these, these things that are like the, hor- the most horrible things that have ever happened, but that's like in the past, right? No. For years now, I don't know if you guys knew this, China has over a million Muslim people in re-education camps, and they're still in there right now. And we have reason to believe that these people are being tortured and possibly even killed. Right now. That's happening. That's what our flesh can do. That's what humanity can do outside of God's lead. That's what can happen when we decide to define what's right and wrong on our own terms. If every good and perfect thing comes from God, then every bad thing comes from either our own flesh or the influence that the devil has on it. Thankfully, We have the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? And God's word to help us recalibrate to following his will and his purpose for us. And he longs for us to seek his wisdom. And that's our third point here, is that we are to actively pursue his wisdom. He pleads with us to actively pursue his wisdom. Verse 20 here says, Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public square. She cries out above the commotion, She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. So that's as true now as it was then, right? His voice calls out to us over all the noise, all the differing opinions, all the tribalism, all the things that we we hear in the news and, and from close friends, right? And it speaks, his voice speaks truth and love over top of all of that. So let's keep listening. Verse 22 says, How long, inexperienced ones? Will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction. I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity like a whirlwind when trouble and stress overcome you then they will call me and, but I won't answer they will search for me but won't find me because they hated knowledge didn't choose the fear of the Lord were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction they will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted by their own schemes for the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. Our pursuit of his wisdom has to be active. We have to plan to seek his voice. We can't be complacent. Like it says here, we have to pursue his wisdom. He's putting it out there for us, and all we have to do is take it. God has given us the responsibility to live intentionally. A few practical ways to think about this. What what actually ends up happening in our schedules throughout the week shows where our true priorities are, right? At the end of the week, when you look back and you see what you actually did, that's when you see where your priorities are at. So Kate and I have a weekly family meeting, and we... We kind of look, at, look ahead and see what we're going to be um, up against, you know, as a team this week, and, and so we try to prioritize what we absolutely need to do and what things that we could let go in our schedule to increase our capacity, to, to give ourselves a buffer so that we can have some sanity and, and be realistic about what our, our capacity is to do. Um, and when we look back and, and we realize what we actually ended up doing, a lot of times we end up making adjustments for the following week, right? Because we want to make sure that our priorities are in the right place. So are we creating space to pursue wisdom? I can thank Enrique Ortiz for this. I don't know if he's here, but maybe he'll listen later. But he, in Connection Group one time, said that they like to just read a a proverb a day when they've gotten into a rut and they don't know what to get back into. I don't know if you knew this. There's 31 proverbs. 31 days in a month. So you can just pick one, start there, and you can get back into a rhythm pretty easily by getting back into Proverbs. So if you started today, by Monday, you can start fresh in chapter one, having a deep, decent habit in place, right? you got about six, seven days before Monday hits, and you can start back on one. Just one practical way that we can pursue his wisdom. When doctors are active in their field... They're known as practicing physicians, right? This is because they actively study the latest literature in their specific field in case they miss something that could be integral in saving somebody's life that day, right? So we would be foolish to throw out the book and say, I've got this. I don't need this. It's the responsible thing to do, to stay up to date, to pursue wisdom, to get into his word. God's word is living and active, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And it's new and fresh every time that we open it up again. Because the Spirit enables us to see what we need to see in that moment, for that person, for that season of life. And the amazing thing, too, is that God not only gives us these Proverbs... He also designed us to be in community with other Spirit-led people who are actively pursuing wisdom, right? It be foolish for us to go alone. be foolish for us to sit in a closet and read this and gain knowledge. We need to get with other people and talk about it. The Spirit reveals truth in different ways to, to different people, and it's really important to listen to the Spirit as He reveals Himself to the people around us. This can start within your own family. So husbands, your wife is designed to be your helper. And I don't know about you, but mine has challenged me to see things differently, and I only benefit when I choose to hear from her perspective. Wives, whether your husband chooses to share his heart on a given subject or not, the Spirit is speaking to him too, and he's worth listening to. Maybe this looks like listening to your own kids, right? Their, their take on life can, and, and biblical truth can seem random and Often in left field sometimes, right? Um, but that can be good for us. Sometimes it's good to get out of our head and out of our perspective and, and see things from somebody else's. And maybe the most effective way to pursue wisdom, though, is to get deeply committed into contributing and benefiting from your own connection group here at Stonebridge. And if you're not already committed to a connection group, come talk to me or Stacy after, or if you look in front of you, there's a a QR code there that you can scan and give us a little bit more information, let us know that you want to get plugged in, right? If you're in a connection group, pursue wisdom in that group. If you talk all the time and you tend to dominate the conversation, choose to let others talk and just listen intently to their perspective. If you're someone who tends to be quiet in group, let God speak out through you Your perspective matters. Community is a breeding ground for growth and wisdom and discernment. God designed it that way, so let's lean into it. But all this wealth of wisdom that we can potentially get from tapping into other people, it all comes from one source, right? It comes from the God of the universe that created and designed everything with no point of reference, right? He wasn't basing it off of anything. He started from scratch, and he did it himself. It comes from the Savior that knew the concepts of love and selflessness well enough to display that love and selflessness through his actions here on earth by dying on a cross for us. And it comes from the Holy Spirit who fueled the explosion of the early church and also urges and enables us to become more like Christ on a regular basis. That's the source of wisdom that we worship and tap into. Go to him first. Take it to the foot of the cross first. Near the end of the book of Job, I don't know if you know this story, but Job had a horrible life. His whole family died, and it was because something else going on in the spiritual realm, right? Go read it for yourself and figure that out. But God reminds Job who he is at the end and why he's worth trusting. He reminds him, of the kind of wisdom that was required to create literally everything, right? He reminds Job that every ounce of revelation or understanding given to him comes from God's mouth, not his. Not his friends, not his wife. <laughs> it comes from the mouth of God. Job 38, 4-11 says this. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a line, or measuring line across it? Who supports, or What supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and total darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put its bars and doors in place, when I declared... You may come this far, but no farther. Your proud waves stop here. So obviously he's being sarcastic <laughs> and, and calling Job on his pride and, and the fact that he felt like he knew better or could question God than his wisdom. God knows better. His way is better. And we, it's so hard to understand that sometimes when we go through really tough stuff like Job did. But we have to keep pursuing him because there's a reason for what he has allowed us to go through. So coming back to Proverbs 1, though, why should we actively pursue his wisdom? The best reason comes from those last two verses, so let's put those back up. Proverbs 1, 32-33 says this, For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. For people who reject God's word and wisdom for us, his sacrifice that he made for us, it's very clear in verse 32, unfortunately, what happens to them. Their complacency will destroy them. But the good news is, it comes from verse 33, that whoever listens to him will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. It makes me think of this passage in in John 10 here that I'll put on the screen too, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He has pursued us. He's done everything necessary for us to have eternal life and a relationship with Him. We need His wisdom, we need His rescue, and we can't do this on our own. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for this revelation in Proverbs that you've given to us this, this truth that we need on a daily basis. God, it's so much more than advice. It's so much more than just fun sayings. It's it's your wisdom, the wisdom of the God of the universe. And so we would be foolish not to pursue it, not to see you more clearly. So God, help us this week to dig in. Help us to pursue you because you promise us that whoever listens to you will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. God, we need that. We need peace. We need discernment. We need guidance every single day in the decisions that we make for our families, for those around us, for ourselves. God, you are here and you are present. Make yourself more known to us this week. Pray these things in your name. Amen.